2: That's right, my name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, uh, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to move a little bit away from Ukraine today, I think, because I'm just getting tired of talking about it. You know, we've peeled that onion in so many different ways. um, But we are going to talk about it tang- tangibly. And uh, one of the things is, is that... Um, we're going to cover a, a few key articles that I uh, found interesting that I wanted to share with you. Um, and the first one I wanted to talk about out of the gate was: Has Putin been set up like Hussein in Kuwait? Whether valid or not, Putin had many grievances regarding Ukraine, and just as it was the Saddam was with with Saddam, the truth is far more nuanced then simplistic good guy bad guy presentation so remember last week and for the last few weeks i've been talking about this is not a simple uh black hat white hat good guy bad guy kind of thing it's it's a, it's very nuanced this article kind of you wonder if this person was listening to the scott adams show really but he he kind of put it into words this guy named john uh, conlan and it it made a lot of sense to me, and it was nice to see that a lot of what we've been talking about is making it out there into the uh, in, into the um, writings of a lot of a lot of uh, key publications. This is over at American Greatness. So he writes, it, "It is hard to believe the Biden administration is this clever, so it's hard to know what to think of." what follows but then again i'm certain someone in the bowels of the deep state could be this clever and since we have no idea who is actually running the biden administration perhaps the scenario i described is possible and generally speaking that's what i was saying as well that i and it's not that i fear because i'm not on the side of putin i'm not choosing putin's side i'm not choosing you know billionaire zelensky's side I'm not choosing the side of globalism or the new world order. And I do subscribe a little bit to the concept of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Because when somebody, you know, is Hillary Clinton my friend? And the answer is no. And is Hunter Biden my friend? And the answer is no. And Joe Biden, is he my friend? No. No. What what are the Bidens and the Clintons, what have they done? They fleeced America. They sold our enriched uranium to uh, Russia. The Clintons did that. They hoarded a whole bunch of cash. They molested children or trafficked children out of Haiti. They're probably going to do the same thing in Ukraine that's known for its human trafficking and sex trafficking in Ukraine. And all of a sudden, you know, you got Bill Clinton coming up and saying, I'm going to dust off the Clinton Gateway Initiative and I'm going to start doing this again. And two things come to mind that Hillary Clinton is probably going to use that as a slush fund and run for another, uh, run again for president the third time. Hopefully, not a charm. And that would be the one thing, first thing. And then the second thing that comes to mind is, they're going to treat Ukraine like it's Haiti. They're going to go in to try to help things, help people. They're going to broker a deal. And like I said, brokers, what do they do? They break things. They get in the middle of things. They just do the wrong thing because everybody's in it for the money. You know, the Gateway Initiative was just that. It was a gateway. And a gateway is sort of like a toll booth. So if you were a nonprofit that wanted to actually help out in Haiti, you had to go through the Clinton Gateway Initiative. And they would get money off the top. So whatever whatever good deed you wanted to do, you had to pay a toll to do it. And these people say, okay, well, I want to do a good deed, and I want to go in and help Haiti. But nobody in Haiti thinks the Clintons helped them at all. And they were there. So, this whole Ukraine thing, though, Putin is he stepping into a trap? And so, when someone asked me, you know, what what what's the likelihood of this war happening? I said it's unlikely. I said, despite the fact that he spent billions of dollars surrounding Ukraine with all of his military assets, one would think, okay, there is absolutely he's going to go in. He's all set up and ready and poised to do what he's doing. But what's the end game? What's the benefit? And, of course, with Russia, the end game and the benefit, I I think, is going to be very expensive. So they're going to get whatever they want. They're going to get what they want, but at what price? You know, at what price is it too much? And so, in one sense, I think that um, it was a huge risk and an undertaking for Putin to to get involved the way he has. But I also thought that he thought there was no better time than, than now with the Biden regime in place. Uh, now was the best time if he was ever going to do what he's about to do, which is to take over Ukraine and gain control of the oil lines and end the corruption in Ukraine and gain leverage over Europe Because, again, Europe was getting their oil also through uh, Iraqi oils. And uh, they were using ISIS warriors to protect those pipelines coming out of the Middle East. And the reason why they got rid of Qaddafi was to steal his assets to help. That's why they had Benghazi, you know, this mission to do that. But they were also sending oils down into Africa. So there's the northern Africa, and they needed to get rid of Qaddafi because Qaddafi was a gatekeeper that was charging too much money. You know, he was in control and he wanted a big piece of the pie. And they just said, okay, we're going to get rid of Qaddafi. And and that'll be that. So they got rid of Qaddafi, and now they pay no toll. They set up Benghazi, and Benghazi did what it did. And there's a reason why Benghazi went down. Because it was getting in the way of other business. And the corruption in Ukraine was also competing with a lot of interests in Russia. We're talking about energy. We're talking about fossil fuels. We're talking about precious metals. We're talking about corruption. We're talking about a new world order. We're talking about globalism. We're talking about a lot of things that didn't set well with Russia. And so Putin said, you know what? It's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. So now is the time. And an enemy of my enemy is my friend. He's sanctioned, too. Hillary? Hillary? I, I can't stand Hillary. Hillary has hurt me. Joe Biden is now costing me $80 at the pump. When I used to pay 30 at the pump, say. I actually don't drive, so you know I'm kind of making that up part, but the the gas gas pump, you know, people are paying that much, right? So the idea is, these are not my friends. The Bidens are not my friends they, They've hurt my family, they've hurt me, and they've hurt our country worse than Putin ever did. So when Putin decides to sanction thirteen important Americans. And three of them are Hunter and Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. I have no problem with that. That makes me smile. That makes me chuckle. That makes me laugh. That makes me feel good. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Putin is no more an enemy to me than Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and Hunter Biden. And in fact, I think that the people that have really wrecked our country the worst are the Clintons and the Bidens, more so than Putin ever could, dream of hurting America. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. You know, I what, what are you going to call me, a traitor? No, I'm a pragmatic analyst, and I'm looking at this, and I'm basically trying to figure it out, but there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of bioweapons. So when they have a mishap, or they decide to use bioweapons in ukraine and it spreads around the world and creates another pandemic what are they going to do call it russia 22 and you wait and see how they treat russia differently than they treated china and they blame russia for everything everything even though it doesn't make any sense even when the democrats make the crap up themselves they blame russia we have a, a bunch of interesting clips today that we're going to get to, and then I'm going to get back to that article too. But I want to play these clips because it's really in line with what I just said about blaming Russia. And I want to—I want to listen. I want you to listen to James Clapper first. So James Clapper—he's right here, and he blames Russian tradecraft.
3: Obama. So, Director, a bunch of questions from this. Let me just start with this. How much does the source matter, right? So you hear the story of this laptop. We don't know a lot. We do know that the, the way that this information is getting out is through Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. How much uh, do the, the, does the source matter here? Well, source matters a lot and, uh, and the timing matters a lot, I think. And to me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook Uh, Soviet-Russian tradecraft at work.
2: Soviet-Russian tradecraft. He can't even name the country correctly. It's no longer the Soviet Union, moron. This is the same guy that lied to us wittingly, right? Not wittingly are we spying on Americans. You know, they use the Patriot Act to spy on uh, all Americans. Where do you see the Pandemic Act? There there is such a thing. It's called the Pandemic Act. Where do you see what that's going to do to your freedom and civil liberties? What do you see what that does. But this, this moron, James Clapper, how he ever got to be the head of the CIA and the DNI. I mean, what kind of intelligence do we really have? 17 intelligence agencies. They wrote a letter, 50 different intelligence uh, uh, senior officials, all signed off on the Russian hoax being real. And then now find out that the New York Times finally caught up to John Sullivan Solomon and uh and and the New York Post and decided yeah the laptop for Hunter Biden is real. And and, and the Russian hoax was really a hoax. They finally figured this stuff out. Years later. This was during when uh, James Clapper said this. This was in the lead up to the election. This was put out by CNN on October 16th, 2020 as a tweet. And we're going to listen to it one more time.
3: Well, source matters a lot and, uh, and the timing matters a lot, I think. And to me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook, uh, Soviet-Russian uh, tradecraft at work. Uh, the Russians have analyzed the target. They understand that the president and his enablers uh, crave uh, dirt on Vice President Biden, whether it's real or contrived. That doesn't matter to them. And so, all of a sudden, two two and a half weeks before the election, uh, this laptop appears somehow, uh, without and uh, emails on it without any metadata. Uh, it just—it's all very curious. But the, so here you have. Uh, a willing target and the Russians who are very sophisticated about it, how to exploit a, a, a willing target. And uh, to me, that's what's at work here. And so, you know, when you, you try to figure out the specifics of, you know, whether that meeting email, for example, is real in the midst of this, um, do you think stuff like that could just have been planted in there and be completely fake? I do. I think the uh, the emails could be con- uh, could be contrived sent- particularly since, as I understand it from what I've read, uh, they appear uh, without any metadata. That is, you know, from, to, and, and any technical data, uh, at least immediately evident. Now, uh, if this computer is in the hands of the FBI, they have, obviously, excellent, uh, sophisticated uh, technical and forensic uh, analytic capabilities, and I think they'll be able to sort it out, whether this is genuine or not. But You know, it's it's all pretty curious, uh, given, again, two and a half weeks out from the election. So so
2: if you reported on this at the time, you were censored from Facebook and Twitter and anywhere else. And they even passed new rules that said, basically, that, you know, anything that was hacked, you can't report on. So if you posted something on Twitter, they would say, well, that was hacked. You know, just recently, uh, the... uh, Homeland Security, Mayorkas, passed a new set of guidelines that said what he considers to be extremism or terrorism, domestic terrorism. He said, basically, if you question COVID or if you question the election, that's, those are extreme views. And what, in essence, he's doing there is he's creating what's called a uh, set of guidelines. Jim Crow laws, for example, were not constitutional Jim Crow laws that the Democrats put out there in the name of segregation and racism were guidelines. They were guidelines. And corporations picked them up, and businesses picked them up, and hotels picked them up. And then a Green Book came out. And remember the movie Green Book, where if you were black, you stayed at one hotel, and if you were white, you stayed at any hotel you want. But. You know, different water fountains, different schools, segregation everywhere. The Democrats have always been about dividing and segregating. Always. And that, that's that been their mantra. They've been on the wrong side of history. George Wallace from Alabama stood in the doorway and didn't want integration in the schools. He was a Democrat. Jefferson Davis went against the first Republican president, Lincoln, to you know, fight for uh, the advance of slavery. You know, that's what Jefferson Davis did. And annexed the South, you know, the the South from the the North. Wanted to separate from the Union. Civil War. And they were on the wrong side of history there. Robert Byrd, the last sitting senator that was uh, a leader in the Senate, endorsed and admired by Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, and Joe Biden, um, and Joe Manchin. And this guy from West Virginia uh, was, a, you know, a, like a grand wizard. He was a ranking member of the KKK, Democrat. And yet we're supposed to be taught a lesson about race, and they call Trump racist, it just out of whole cloth, they just make this stuff up. But do you see how he blamed Russia here? And he uses words like trade craft and it makes it sound real sexy, but it's just BS, complete and total BS. Here is Trump debating with Joe Biden.
0: Well, I tell you what, I uh, I hope he does look at me because what's happening here is- Now in
2: this frame, uh, you're going to hear Biden, but uh, Trump is in the in the frame- To the next, and I remember this debate where he basically called out the laptop. uh, Donald Trump did, President Trump, and this is Joe Biden's explanation of the whole thing.
0: Well, I tell you what, I uh, I hope he does look at me because what's happening here is is you know who I am, you know who he is, you know his character, you know my character, you know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot.
1: Look at us closely.
0: Let me ask some follow me. Please respond, if and then we're going to have follow If this is questions. true
1: about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq, if this is true— then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you simple. a corrupt politician. Nobody take President the Trump, laptop I want to
0: from stay hell. on the issue me, of race. We're talking about the, the issue. from hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. President Trump, and I have disc- to respond to that. Please. Because, look, Very there quick. are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is has all the four five former heads of the CIA, both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now
1: another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? That's exactly what. Is this where you're going? Exactly what this is where he's going. The laptop is Russia, Russia, Russia.
0: I want to stay on the issue of race. You have to be kidding.
1: Here we go again with Russia.
0: We're going to continue well, yeah, on the well, issue of race. Mr.
2: President, you've described... You know, you know what's amazing about that is how much they get cut off. You know, uh, that uh, Donald Trump got cut off. And then when Joe Biden wanted to speak, it, it was so obvious. Joe Biden wants to speak, and all of a sudden um, he gets to speak, right? It's, it's crazy. Um, she just... Was obedient to Joe Biden, and she was basically talking over every word that Trump said. You know, just so unfair. You know, how can you win a debate that way uh, with that kind of thing? So they uh, put out this letter, a public statement on the Hunter Biden emails, and this was in October nineteenth, twenty twenty, and it was signed. It was basically dismissing as legit the laptop from hell. And the top signature was James Clapper, then Mike Hayden, John Brennan, this guy named Thomas Finger, Rick Leggett, John McLaughlin, Mike, Mike Burrell, who was hooked up with the Benghazi situation, Mike Vickers, Doug Weiss, Nick Rasmussen, Russ Ta- Travers, uh, Rick Leggett, Andy Leepin, John Moseman, Larry Pfeiffer, you know, a whole bunch of people. And it goes on and on. And uh, these were all these people, over 50 different people involved in the intelligence community. People you know, people you don't know. And they dismissed it as illegitimate. That it wasn't right. It wasn't real. And to me, that is... uh, that is pretty sad because, you know, what does that say about our intelligence apparatus? Here's Trump with uh, Leslie Stahl. False. Where who falsely claimed that the Hunter Biden laptop couldn't be verified. And
1: you think it's the biggest issue. I think it's this. I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen. And you don't cover it. You want to talk about Well, because it can't be verified. You want to talk about insignificant things. I'm telling you Of course it can be verified. Excuse me. They found the laptop. Leslie. Leslie can't be verified. What can't be verified?
0: The laptop.
1: Why do you say that? Because even the family hasn't the family on the laptop he's gone into hiding. For five days he's gone into hiding. He's preparing for your debate. Oh, it's taken him five days to prepare? I doubt it. I did.
2: Okay. All right, all, right, all right. So let's get back to the name. So I remember that too. And, uh, you know, it's just so unfair. You know, the journalists in America are state-sponsored, but they're really not state-sponsored. It's it's sort of like they're being financed by BlackRock and globalists around the world uh, who benefit from slave labor and who benefit from open borders. You know, uh, Tucker did a piece last night uh, about open borders. Um, I'm kind of upset with Tucker right now because he uh, had J.D. Vance on. And again, J.D. Vance is just, you know, a never Trump, a Trump-hating, never Trumper that supported McMullen, that was aligned with Mitt Romney, and is running for Senate in Ohio. And uh, why people like Tucker and Marjorie Taylor Greene and... And uh, and um, and Steve Bannon and uh, and and a lot of people over on Getter because Getter is aligned with a certain media uh, faction of the Republican Party, and they they actually uh, somehow censored the Scott Adams show. I don't know. I haven't. I can't. I have not been able to post on Getter for a week, and all I did was uh, called out. Steve Bannon and Steve Cortez and Marjorie Taylor Greene for their endorsement of J.D. Vance. A never Trump, a Trump-hating fool that is a Yale grad that tries to make himself out look like a common man. And uh, I just think it's sad. I, I happen to know a lot about J.D. Vance uh, because he's in the circles that we've been in. And all I'm saying is he's not right for Ohio. And he's not a hillbilly eulogy guy, uh, even though he wrote the book. He's smoke and mirrors. He's a Mitt Romney wannabe. And he is part of the swamp. He is part of that fabric of what the swamp creates. And so I'm not a big fan of J.D. Vance. And uh, he's exactly the kind of thing that you end up with an Adam Kinziger, You know, so-called Republican that becomes like, you know, Mr. Evil. Adam Kinzinger <clears throat> vowed that he is going to do everything in his that's humanly possible to prevent Trump from becoming president again. So-called Republican, right? He, Liz Cheney, you know, so-called Republicans from Wyoming, you know, Liz Cheney. Yeah, you would think that she was the, be the right kind of Republican, and no, she fooled the Wyoming people, just like JD Vance is trying to fool the Ohio people. And why? Because he wants to be. He wants the the power of being a senator, you know, and I just I'm just here to warn you. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. Right. So we are going to get back to this this Putin stepping into a trap. I think that it is a trap by the globalists. Um, But, uh, you know, oh, by the way, (laughs) it was uh, St. Patrick's Day yesterday, right? Leave it to Mr. 81 million votes, Joe Biden, to insult every Irish person in the world yesterday by basically saying, I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. But I'm not stupid. How in the world do you make a boneheadedly stupid statement like that? All because he wants to say that he married so-and-so's daughter. Let's take a listen.
0: I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. I married Dominic Giacoppa's daughter. I may be Irish.
2: Yeah. So he just insulted a whole bunch of Irish people. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. But I'm not stupid? Basically saying Irish people are stupid. What a moron. In any case, the New York Post finally came out and talked about the New York Times' article About Hunter Biden's laptop said Hunter Biden's infamous laptop confirmed in New York Times report, a comprehensive report about the ongoing federal probe into Hunter Biden's tax filings published by the New York Times on Wednesday night confirmed the existence of the first son's infamous laptop. And by the way, his baby mama's attorney said it just turned over a whole bunch of uh, data and records. That's going to be pretty much the end for hunter biden it's going to be massive and you know that he's been making a lot of money off of that but listen 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 to jen saki who's commented on it saying this is russian propaganda and then now uh she's not wanting to talk about it the change of you asked
1: about hunter biden's laptop you also in october 2020 dismissed it as Russian disinformation. Do you stand by that
3: assessment?
0: Again, uh, i point you to the Department of Justice and Hunter Biden's representatives. Um, I'm a spokesperson for the United States. He doesn't work for the United States. Go
2: ahead. Go ahead. So she's not going to talk about it. She talked about it before. It was okay to talk about it when she could say, no, it's nothing. And she was flat out lying when she said it. This is her getting caught in a lie right here. I think it actually is significant that she said that and did that. Tim Young writes, Now that Hunter Biden's uh, laptop is confirmed, time to confirm who the big guy is. Who's the big guy? If that's confirmed, then who's the big guy? I'd like to know. So James Clapper lied when he told everyone that Hunter Biden's laptop from hell was just classic textbook Soviet-Russian tradecraft. Yeah. Blame Russia. That's what everybody is doing, is blaming Russia. And, um, yeah, okay, so I'm going to get back to, uh, oh, I want to get back to the Hunter Biden article over at the Post, and then we're going to get back over to Putin. So many issues to cover today. So the laptop's hard drive contained a trove of emails. You know, there was this email where Hunter Biden was sleeping with Malika Obama. And she was naked. And it looked like Malika. And there was lines of cocaine. And there was a credit card that had Malika's name on it and the card number. Now, how do you make that stuff up? And the card had powder on it. Like cocaine powder. Now, I tried to post something like that, and I got banned on Facebook for it. But now that this is getting to be legit and legitimized as to the source, now you have to sort of wonder. And, you know, I know how this deal happened. And it was a Steve Bannon, uh, Rudy Giuliani operation where they ended up getting access to it. And then Steve Bannon, when he got arrested off the coast of Martha's Vineyard, uh, on a boat. He was with a Chinese guy. And he started GTV, which was this media company out of China. And they outsourced it overseas. I don't know why it was China that did where it was. But everything was over in China. Sort of like Wuhan, right? The biolab. Like the biolabs in Ukraine. Wuhan was over in China too and they they keep these things offshore that they don't want you know that that they get around certain laws they they can get around certain restrictions and laws and regulations here in America by doing these things overseas right just like if you were to you want to get a, get a uh, drug um that they, they're not selling here maybe it's a an experimental drug for a health reason you sometimes have to go outside of the country to get it. Uh, and rich people have access to that. Well, in the, this case, the, the media, they had all this stuff. They had all this information. And it was coming out, and it looked really uncut, meaning that I, I'm i a pretty technical guy. And I was looking at this stuff, and there's, like, no editing. I I was doing I uh, using all kinds of tools to test the images, and none of them showed up as being doctored or 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 manipulated in any way. And so I sort of did my due diligence on it as best I could, and it came back clean. So when I would post this stuff, I would get censored all the time on Facebook. And this was in the lead-up to the election. So talk about election rigging. This would have been a game-changer if it was legitimized. If the mainstream media just picked it up, that would have been it for Joe Biden. It would have been game over. Trump would be still in the White House but they didn't do that they hit it and it's amazing the operation they put into place and it was amazing too how much synchronicity synchronicity how much the cia and these spooks were actually in control of the mockingbird media the mockingbird press right that just basically does what they're told by the spooks in washington so the repair shop who owned the lap, who had the laptop, the owner reported the laptop to the FBI, which sees the device and its hard drive. Now, the FBI is corrupt, but maybe somebody got access to it. Somebody made a backup of it, knowing that the FBI is as corrupt as the FBI is. I mean, I don't like the FBI. Do you? I think that they're super corrupt. So the re- repair shop owner reported the laptop to the FBI, and that was th- then it was off to the races. Some of the scrutinized correspondence was between Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, who had served with the first son on the board of Ukraine Energy Company Burisma. So there's a lot of this going on, right? And there was also a lot of um, sex. And interestingly about that, you know, the sex thing, um, it's no wonder that you have Joe Biden saying this. Now listen to this. So there was nothing but a bunch of nude photos of Hunter Biden with young girls, and one of them included Malik Obama, uh, Obama's daughter. That's unbelievable when I saw it. Um, and I believe it's legit, actually. I think that they did do that. They had a sex tape, and... And they were doing coke together. And there was a credit card. Now, this is a photo I saw. And I tried to look and see if there was any way it was doctored. And I didn't see any anomalies that would indicate that. Um, and anytime you post something like that, you get banned on social media. So you can't even share it. Um, but nude photos all over the place. My name and- is Helen Bericet. I work as a photographer... So I don't know what that was. Oh, here it is. It's a stupid ad that came up out of the New York Post. Um, but here, here is the... Um, here's Joe Biden talking about priorities. This is just two days ago. He said this.
0: So we established a new civil rights, a new civil rights cause of action for those whose intimate images were shared on public screen. How many times have you heard, I'll bet everybody knows somebody somewhere along the line, that in an intimate relationship, what happened was, the guy takes a revealing picture of his naked friend or whatever in a compromising position, and then, literally, in a sense, blackmails or, or, or mortifies that person. Send it out, put it online.
2: Can you Can you even believe that a president of the United States... Thinks that's the government's business. The federal government wants to get involved with people who take selfies of of themselves naked and then shares them with their lover. And then next thing you know, uh, the lover decides to extort or or put them out there. I think we already have like decency laws for that anyway, right? Like uh, a person says, "That's a picture of me. I want you to take that down." I think that happens. But why in the world would the President of the United States, during, the, uh, during, the, during a time when the world is on fire, be concerned about something like that? And again, I think it's a bunch of guidelines. I think that the Mayorkas and the Homeland Security is setting up guidelines, like we were talking about Jim Crow guidelines, guidelines for what extremism is. But what that is, is guidelines for the, uh, for, to call on more censorship. So social media, big, big tech, uh, they're going to be uh, basically uh, using these guidelines as their rule and authority to actually censor more. Because Jen Psaki has been calling for more censorship from big tech. And so now they got the guidelines, just like Jim Crow laws. Is what we're talking about. And now they have the guidelines to do this. So they could censor in the lead up to another election year, censor you from questioning an election and censor you from questioning COVID in a way that's more legit or more federally recognized by using these guidelines because they're unconstitutional, because they're a violation of your civil liberties. And I don't know where the ACLU is on this, but, you know, the issue is, is that their guidelines now that the big tech is going to use, use just like they used COVID guidelines, just like they used Jim Crow guidelines, not big tech at the time, but, you know, and, and they're going to use these guidelines as cover. According to the Homeland Security, we are using the set of guidelines, and, and this is, is, falls under that umbrella. And we're going to suspend you for 30 days, and that gives us cover. So that's going to protect them. And that's exactly why they did that. Mayorkas, the guy who opens the borders and pays off illegal migrants and is basically going to turn every one of those into a vote somehow, and it's going to neutralize your vote, and it's going to crush the middle class. Your voice is going to be diminished. With every vote that comes across the border, your voice gets more silent because your vote counts much, much less. And I just, you know, we need to be more aggressive uh, and we at the state level with these election laws. And we need to ban anything that violates chain of custody anything that violates that trust we need to ban it if it can't be ironclad and secure it must never be allowed to be legal in 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 elections so uh, i want to get to some of these articles really quick i'm going to just briefly uh scan over them i have like five articles i wanted to cover today um And one of them is by Claire Lopez, who I I like. We used to have on a show quite a bit when I used to have more guests. Um, But right here, this one again says, has Putin been set up like Hussein in Kuwait? And he gets into this, he says, Hussein was set up with the Kuwaitis on a number of fronts, but the final straw was there using directional drilling to steal his oil, which they were doing. In one-on-one meetings, Saddam... Told the U.S. ambassador to Iraq of his anger and his intentions to invade. The U.S. ambassador said nothing. Now, that's exactly what they were doing with that Iraqi oil. They were taking it. And Lindsey Graham and John McCain were involved. And they were financing ISIS rebels to secure, as mercenaries, secure the pipelines and to make sure that nobody else could get access to the pipelines. And they were running it through Syria and Turkey. And that's what the whole ISIS operation was about. That was America paid for, Obama paid for operation. And they were taking the oil out. And again, a lot of these black market deals facilitate a need. For example, in Russia, in Ukraine, you know, where Obama only gave Ukraine blankets and pillows, but the black market gave uh, Ukraine whatever they needed. And if it was weapons, they'd sell the weapons for money, and then they would buy the Javelin torpedo missiles to uh, tank-busting missiles, whatever. And that would be laundering the operation, laundering the cash. And the reason why they would do it is because, just like with these MiGs recently, the Poland, Poland and America, they're like, I'm not going to give them the MiGs. I don't want to be the one to get my hands dirty. I don't want to get on the bad side of Russia. And so the America's like, "No, we're not going to give them the MIGs either. That would be a direct conflict and if one of those MIGs shoots down one of theirs then who knows what's going to happen. World War 3." So, no, we're not going to give them to you, but you can give we can give you these, you could sell those over to the Middle East somewhere, take the money and buy your own. You can do that? That's laundering. So, they were doing the same thing back in the day, but with oil. And, you know, economic threats uh, to uh, that involve oil also are part of Russia's grievance um, because they want the North Stream oil to come from the north to the south and if they're getting um, cheap oil from uh, Iraq because Iraq is somehow a rogue state that's not guided by any one government you need mercenaries like ISIS to uh, protect these assets and A lot of corporations, corporate greed, gets involved and facilitates the consumption of that oil, and they make a huge profit off of it. And that's where Lindsey Graham's interests were in the Middle East. That's why we stayed in Syria for so long. There was a lot of politicians getting rich. And the black market deals were actually a way to protect us from getting on Russia's bad side because they couldn't blame America because it wasn't sanctioned by America. It was sanctioned by ISIS or it was sanctioned by corrupt politicians. It was a green light to actually get all of these assets in your pocket. You know, it was perfectly legal on that black market. So Putin let the world know of his intentions for months. He amassed well over 100,000 troops near the border, response from the United States and the rest of the world. Barely a squeak. Some tough talk. And so that's why I say also, I think that they could have easily avoided war by preempting this early. But they turned a blind eye, knowing full well what Putin was up to. Months before this happened. But they turned a blind eye. And what Tulsi Gabbard said was they almost want it to happen. It's great for business in the military-industrial complex. And it also creates inflationary and supply chain issues with respect to oil, which is something that they want people to stop consuming. So if they can get the price of, per, per barrel up, up to $200 a barrel, nobody's going to be able to afford oil, which makes all the green initiatives happy the people like Ocasio-Cortez say no one's going to be buying any oil anymore because it's priced like gold and nobody's going to be buying beef anymore because of the supply chains and nobody's going to be working the meat packing plants and and uh, also uh um they're jacking up the prices and and uh that's why you had the hackers hacking beef and oil remember the hackers colonial pipeline and um uh, and the meatpacking plants, the same thing. And all this jacking up of prices uh, is targeted toward the things that middle class people consume the most. Gas, oil, beef for their families and things like that. And it's crushing the middle class. It's hurting them economically. It's cutting their finances in half. It's, it's making us poor. The Bidens are killing the middle class. And so did the Clintons. And so, you know, there's a lot of this going on. And it's it's not linear. It's not just like right in your face. So I, I believe that this is a trap where Putin is playing right into the hands of the globalists. You know, and Zelensky is going to be the martyr and, and Ukraine is going to be the last frontier of... Um, The New World Order and the globalist movement, the human trafficking and the bioweapons are all there. And they're the uh, favor right now of the world. Who's in love with Ukraine? A very corrupt country, a money laundering country. Zelensky has $1.2 billion offshore in his accounts. He could easily take that money and help out his own country. He won't. He was paid by oligarchs and the oligarch, one of the main oligarchs he worked for, Kolomoisky, who is connected with the Bidens and Burisma. So, I mean, it's all connected. And we heard the clip from that lady, uh, Rika, um, a member of parliament, talking about a new world order, talking about a shield for the euro. Basically, Ukraine is that buffer zone that NATO wanted between Russia and Europe. And that is playing out right now. So, yeah, certainly, though, I think Putin, I think, would have been... But what would Putin have gained if he did nothing? And what, would, what does Putin gain by doing what he's doing? And the thing is, is that I think it's coming at a heck of a price. But... On the flip side, though, you could look at you know what I think is probably the biggest story, which is the currencies, the U.S. dollar not being the main currency anymore. Uh, that's going to be a, a that's going to ruin us. That's going to crush America's ability to be an economic superpower. We, we're not going to be able to sustain that status. So in the coming weeks, we are going to be talking a lot about gold and the gold standard. And we have a couple of economists that are going to be coming on the show to help us out with that. But I wanted to get into this other article, too. It says, it's not NATO Putin fears. It's Western-style nationalism. What you, And this is written by Claire Lopez. What Ukraine and indeed NATO embodies above all, and therefore intolerably so to Putin, is a steadfast commitment to its own national identity as a free people. And she wrote this article, and I thought it was a great article, and it's very much in line with what I've been saying over the last few weeks. And another article that I wanted to share, and we're not going to have time to get and peel into this so much, but it says, blame Putin, yes, but also blame Biden. Biden's return to the longstanding aggressive neoliberal neocon Uh, foreign policy promises to keep our focus tuned to a foreign channel while our signal devolves to static. And I think it is a distraction. You know, a lot of people say it's a distraction. And I think it is a distraction to what's going on in our southern border. You know, Tucker did talk about that last night and he basically was talking about the open borders and, and how the drugs are flowing through and This is a real crisis. This is a real invasion of our country. And what are we doing about it? And of course, they're doing it for political power. They're doing it for corporate greed. The corporations are paying the politicians for their votes. So they make a promise and they say, we're going to build a wall, but then they never finance the wall. They could spend $6 billion in a blink of an eye for Ukraine, but they wouldn't spend $6 billion to get the wall built. And the wall would end all the problems on the southern border, just about all of them. And we know that. But they won't do it. And the reason why is they'll they'll say they'll do it. And they'll say they'll do it so that the drug cartel's lobbyists will literally pay the politician to not do it. Because if I say I'll do it, that brings me closer to the finish line. That makes my stock go up. And my va- the, the value of buying my vote goes up because I'm closer to the holy grail of actually achieving the goal. So the closer I get to the finish line, the more realistic the wall becomes. And the more realistic the wall becomes, then the more valuable my vote becomes. And so when the drug cartel's lobbyist comes to D.C. and sits down and has lunch with the politician, what foundation can I write this check to and how much do you need? And they write it to a foundation, and next thing you know, old Jeb's a millionaire. And that is happening in Washington across the board. Votes are being bought and sold by corporations and lobbyist groups, special interests, and even the drug cartels. They're set up just like a real pro shop. Julie Kelly wrote this article. She said, will the next J-6 trial expose another Justice Department lie? Lies related to the whereabouts of Vice President Kamala Harris and former President Mike Pence on January 6th are coming to the fore. That'll be interesting. And we can get into that at some point, too. And then there's this article over at The Federalist. Spygate 101, a primer on the Russian collusion hoax's years-long plot to take down Trump. That's one I haven't really read yet. It's put out there by Margot Cleveland, and it's a very interesting article. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about um, some of the things that uh, we're doing um, uh, with Substack in just a moment. One final article that I wanted to um, share with you. It's over at the Gateway Pundit. It says, I expect him to be indicted. And that's a quote from lawyer for Hunter Biden's baby mama, hands over a significant amount of Hunter fi- Hunter's financial records in criminal tax probe. And 50% for the big guy or 10% for the big guy is going to come to light. I think this is going to be big trouble for the Biden crime family. Well, that brings us to, uh, you know, near the end of our show. And I wanted to talk about the Substack. So to make it clear, what's happening is uh, I'm writing blogs associated with every show that I'm doing. And I'm putting it together on my Substack. And I, I love the way it's turning out. It's turning out great. And people that get on the mailing list get not only the podcast of my show delivered to them for free, but also, uh, it's, it's a body of work, and I source out everything that I'm saying. I give you the sources, and there are photographs, comments that I made uh, related to the source material that I used to put this show together and present it to you. So that's number one. And number two, uh, this is going to be basically everybody who decides to subscribe uh, now, Uh, will be grandfathered in. So for the remainder of the year, you're going to be added to the premium section once we roll the premium section out. And it's going to be video blogs, vlogs, they call them, video presentations, and uh, other writings, and a whole lot more in our premium section. You're going to get access to for free uh, just by subscribing early. And because once we incorporate our big mailing list, that's when we're going to have to turn it up and put a premium section into place. So that's going to happen real soon. Well, be sure to use Red State over at MyPillow.com and check out ScottAdamsShow.com for the latest podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Bye
1: Bye-bye.